Good morning, Parkway Church. Good morning, Parkway Victoria, Parkway Port Lavaca, Parkway Lone Tree. Everybody gathered hiding from the wind and the rain in Parkway Online. We are so glad that you're here. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here. And it's my privilege today to continue the series Eyewitness. In this series, we're looking at the eyewitness accounts of Jesus through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the gospels that tell the story of Jesus' birth and his ministry and his death and his resurrection. And today we're going to talk about a man whose life was changed because he spent time with Jesus. And and next week we're going to look at another man. Next week we're looking at a guy named Thomas who asked some really big questions and Jesus answered him and dealt with his doubt. Today we're going to talk about a guy named Peter. And I've been looking forward to this message because Peter's a story that we can all relate to. The story of Peter is a story of a man who's all in one moment and then is all out the next moment. He's the story of the loudmouth that speaks and then thinks, right? And so I've been really excited to tell you the story of Peter. But as I stand before you today, I need to admit I'm just a little bit self-conscious. You see, early this morning when I saw one of my kids, they looked at me and said, why are you wearing a green shirt? Because I look good in it? With a wink, he responds. And they said, why are you wearing khakis? You should have worn blue jeans. I love it whenever my kids tell me how bad I look right before I go stand in front of hundreds of people. (laughs) And so they were like, you should have worn blue jeans. And I was like, no, I'm not Pastor Mike today. I'm Boy Scout Mike. (laughs) And they said, exactly. (laughs) So with that, I hope to leave things better than when I found them. And I hope to help you as we take the next step together in our journey through Scripture. See, the story of Peter, as I said, is a story that we can all relate to. It's a story that is, is, is my story and your story as much as it's Peter's story. But as we look at the story of Peter, it's a story where we know that we are all one encounter with Jesus away from being restored yet again. It's a reminder that God is patient with us and God is loving to us and that God will never give up on us. It's the story of Peter. You know, I never thought my life would turn out this way. I'm just a fisherman. Yeah, that's what I do for a living. I'm a professional fisherman. Luke, he's a doctor. I'm a fisherman. Mark, That guy, he's got some skills. I'm a fisherman. And yet, I've got a story to tell you about Jesus. If you ever hung out with men who fish a lot, you know that those guys aren't always the easiest to deal with. You know that those guys might have a vocabulary all of their own. Well, I am a fisherman. And I'm one of those fishermen. I've got this short fuse. I get angry real quickly. Like that time when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden, and I drew a sword and cut off a man's ear. Jesus looked at me and said, Peter, that's not how it's going to be done. And he healed that man's ear. For me, that was the natural response. You're going to take my leader, you're going to have to face my sword. I've got a short fuse. I've got a big mouth. 
Some people would say that my mouth runs faster than my brain. And I think I would agree. I'm known for saying something before I think about it. Or at least that's what it looks like. And I never thought that my life would end up this way. As you hear my story, you're going to hear the story of a guy who got it right sometimes, but got it wrong most of the time. And even when I, Peter, got it wrong, God was patient and God was faithful and God pursued me. See, that's my story. It's the story of Peter. As we dig into Peter's story today, we're going to be looking at a few different accounts from Peter's life in Matthew's gospel. And as we look at the story of Peter, I want you to see that all of us can relate to him at some level. Because Peter, like you can write this first one down, Peter argued with Jesus and then he followed Jesus. Anybody ever argue with Jesus about the timing of your life? Anybody ever argue with Jesus about, like, why is my life this way? Anybody ever argue with Jesus about, how come I've got this life and they've got that life? Jesus, can't I have the life that they have or the life that I want? Well, Peter argued with Jesus, and then he followed him in their very first exchange. See, Jesus was out teaching near the Sea of Galilee. And the crowds pushed in around him. The crowds were pushing in so tight that Jesus wanted to, to get away from the crowd so that he could, he, he could speak to them and so that they could hear him and all would hear his message. So he sees some fishermen by the shore and they're cleaning their nets. And, and Jesus says, hey, Simon, Peter, can I borrow your boat? And so Simon comes and they push Jesus off the shore just a bit and Jesus teaches. And then he looks at, at Peter and he says, hey, let's, push out a little further, and let's drop your nets in deep water. And Peter looks at Jesus and says, we've already fished all night, and we didn't catch anything. It's, now it's not the time to go fishing. You don't fish in, in the heat of the day. You fish in the cool of the night. And we've already tried that, and it didn't work. And, and he says, but because you say so, I will drop my nets. And so Peter argued with Jesus, and then he lowered his nets. And as he lowered his nets, he began to pull them up, and they were, they were not empty. They were full. In fact, they were so full that the, the little strings on the net began to pop, and Peter got scared, and he called for his friends, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Remember John last week as we studied his gospel? This is John. And so Peter says, hey, James, hey, John, come help. And they come and help him, and they fill up not one boat, but two boats with fish. And the boats were even beginning to be weighed down, beginning to sink. And Peter looked at Jesus and said, get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And then Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, from this point forward, you will no longer be a fisher of fish, but you will be a fisher of men. And Jesus said, follow me. At that point, Peter and James and John, they dropped their nets and they followed Jesus. See, Peter's that kind of guy. The kind of guy that'll argue one moment and then be all in the next. The kind of guy that might fight with God, but then be 100% committed 
to God the next moment. Can anybody relate to that? Do we have any people here that are all in or all out kind of people? Well, Peter definitely sets the example for that. So he argued and then he followed. And so we keep looking at Peter's life. We see another exchange that he had with Jesus where he, he nailed it. He got it 100% right and then he ruined it. In fact, you can fill in that blank. He nailed it and then he ruined it. If, if you as a husband have ever tried to give your wife a compliment that actually turned into an insult before your mouth stopped running, like this food is so much better than it used to be, like you just did something there, right? If you've ever tried to give your bride or your husband a compliment, you're not near as fat as you used to be. See, that, that's not a good not a good compliment to say to your husband, right? You know, you're not near as porky as you once were. Not a good thing. Like you nail it, you want to give them a compliment, but then you ruin it in the way you do it. Well, Peter and Jesus and the crew were traveling through an area called Caesarea Philippi. And as they were traveling through the area, Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And when he began to get answers, the, the people think that you're an Old Testament prophet. The people think, the people think, the people think. And they were all thinking wrong. And so Jesus looked at his disciples and said, but who do you say that I am? Remember a few weeks back, I said, that's the most important question that any of us can answer. But who do you say that I am? And so Peter, the one who speaks first, he speaks up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I don't, I don't know if he actually shouted it, but he should have because he got it right. You are the Christ, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, you nailed it. And in fact, Peter, I'm gonna build my church on that faith. And the gates of hell will not prevail against my church, because you know who I am. And then Jesus goes on to describe that he'll be handed over to men and be crucified, and that he will die and they will bury him, and three days later, he will come back to life. And Peter, hearing Jesus say this, pulls Jesus aside, and the Bible says that he scolded Jesus. Lord, may it never be, Peter says to Jesus. Can you imagine that? One minute, you're getting it 100% right. Peter, you are the rock. And then the next minute, you ruin it. You know what Jesus says to Peter when he says, may it never be? He says, get thee behind me, Satan, for you have no part of me. Anybody else relate to that? Where you feel like, hey, one moment I'm walking as a child of God and I'm getting it. And the next minute, it feels like, whoop, I think the enemy's got me right? I mean, this was a real deal for Peter. He nailed it, and then he ruined it. There's another encounter Jesus had with Peter, where Peter walked, and then he sank. You can fill in that blank. Peter walks, and then he sinks. Here's the story. Jesus had had a full day of ministry and teaching and miracles, and he wanted to spend some time with God, one of the things that Jesus did when he got tired, one of the things that Jesus did when he experienced what we would call stress is he would 
he would slow down and go spend time with God. Everybody else was in a hurry to get to their next spot. He would slow down and spend time with God. And so in one of these occasions, Jesus sends his disciples ahead in the boat. And he stays behind to spend time with God, praying and talking with his father. And at some point in the night, Jesus decides, it's time for me to catch up with my boys. And so he starts walking on the Sea of Galilee. And based on the amount of time they traveled, he likely walked three to four miles on the Sea of Galilee. And so here you've got Jesus walking to his disciples, three of whom at least are professional fishermen, Peter, James, and John. And they look and they see something they've never seen on the Sea of Galilee before. Somebody's walking towards us. Is that a ghost? And Jesus says, don't be afraid, it is I. Don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter, (laughs) oh, Peter. Peter says, if it's you, call me out so I can walk on the water with you. And Jesus, this is where people always say, you know, you need to step out of the boat. This is where people always say you need to take a step of faith and step out of the boat. And Anyway, that's where that comes from. And so Jesus looks at Peter and says, come. So Peter steps out of the boat and begins to walk on the water. He had fished these waters countless times. He had never walked on them. And yet here he is, walking on the water until he realizes I'm walking on the water. And the winds and the waves get his attention, and he begins to sink. And when he sinks, what does Jesus do? Jesus reaches down to him, grabs him, pulls him up, and says, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Lifts him up. They get in the boat. See, even when Peter nailed it, he would ruin it. Even when Peter walked on water, he would sink because of a lack of faith. And then the last one. I mean, just listen how patient Jesus is with us. Peter, committed to, and you can fill in this blank, he committed to, and then he denies Jesus. On the night that Jesus would would go to the cross for his friends, the night before Jesus would go to the cross for his friends, they were having a meal together. Remember last week we said this is where Jesus washed the disciples' feet where John was reclining against Jesus? Well, as a part of that meal, Jesus said, one of you will betray me and all of you will scatter because of what happens next. Judas, you will betray me and all of you will scatter because of what happens next. And so you know what Peter did. Bold, big mouth Peter. Like anybody else like Peter, like where you speak very quickly, like if it's going to happen at your house and somebody's going to say it, it's going to be you. My dad used to tell me all the time, son, your mouth is about to write a check that your bottom's going to cash. (laughs) And this is essentially what Peter does here. Peter says, everyone else will scatter. All of these losers who go out in their own way, even the one John who thinks you love him more than the rest of us, all of them will scatter, but I won't. And so Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so Jesus was arrested. A person saw a fisherman from Galilee and said, he was with Jesus. No, I wasn't. 
Aren't you from Galilee? Nope, not with him. Don't you know that teacher, Jesus, who's been arrested? Nope. And as soon as he denied Jesus the third time, what did he hear? Right behind him, there was a rooster. Do you know him? Nope. And Peter knew that Jesus was right. Every other situation, Jesus has come to Peter and restored him. When he argued, Jesus explained and said, follow me. When he nailed it and then ruined it, Jesus didn't banish him, but instead he walked with him. When he walked and then sank, Jesus didn't dunk him under and say, who's next? He put him in the boat. How would he respond here? The level of betrayal can't get any higher. I don't know this guy. I I most definitely have not spent the last three years of my life walking with him. I most definitely didn't say that he's the Christ, the son of the living God. I most definitely didn't walk on water towards him. I most definitely don't know him. How would Jesus respond to this betrayal? And the reason it's important is because at some level, you and I can all relate to Peter's life. If you've ever questioned God, you need to know how Jesus responded to Peter. If you've ever argued with God, you need to know how Jesus responded to Peter. If you've ever been full of faith one minute, and then you've been full of anxiety and worry and guilt the next, you need to know how Peter responded to Jesus. During the first service, I said, hey, anybody here full of faith one minute and then worry the next? And I said, you know what? I'd have to raise two hands and two feet on that, trying to do it where I don't fall out of this stool. And somebody came up to me later and they were like, we wanna see you raise two hands and two feet. So here it is. That's all I got, right? But that's the level that we've all, I mean, that was awkward. Oh, see, and we've got people on our team that can loop that, and so it's going to be bloop, 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 bloop. Anyway, Boy Scout Mike, bloop, 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 bloop. How does Jesus respond? Maybe you've even denied him before people, and you think that that's the worst thing that could ever happen. Because Jesus says, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. And so you're like, oh, that, that could be the worst. How did Jesus respond to Peter? If you brought your Bible, I want to point you to John chapter 21, because we see what Jesus does for Peter. Let me just cut to the chase. How did Jesus respond to Peter? You could fill in this blank. Jesus loves, Jesus calls, and Jesus uses Peter. There's nothing that Peter could do or did do that would cause Jesus to love him any less even denying him before people, even completely pulling away when he said he wouldn't. For that person here that has not followed through with their commitment they've made to Jesus, and you wonder, does that mean Jesus loves me less? Let me tell you, Jesus' love for you isn't based on your commitment to him. It's based on his commitment to you. And he is so lovingly committed to us so that we will grow in our commitment to him. If you've ever prayed that prayer, God, if you do this, I will do that. First of all, that's a scary prayer. 
But if you've ever prayed that and then you didn't follow through, you gotta, you gotta ask yourself the question, what's God think? God says, I love you. See, what, what Jesus did with Peter is so instructive to you and me. After Jesus was raised again from the dead, he appeared to his disciples. And by the Sea of Galilee, I love this spot because on a tour of Israel, I was standing right there. The, the, the rocks at this location, at the Sea of Galilee, they're black, round rocks. It's a gorgeous beach. Not the kind of beach you want to lay out on again because they are round, black rocks, but it is a beautiful beach. And Jesus, he first called Peter and he caught fish. When Jesus is going to reinstate Peter, remind him of his love, Jesus is cooking fish for Peter and the disciples. Man, I like this guy. He could fit in in South Texas. I'm going to cook some fish. I'm going to catch some fish and I'm going to share some fish. I like that guy. And so as he is talking with Peter and the disciples, making fish for them, he looks at Peter and he says, do you love me? And Peter says, you know I do. Jesus looks and says, then take care of my lambs. Take care of my sheep. He said, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I do. Three different times, Jesus looked at Peter and said, do you love me? And three different times, Peter said, yes. Now, I'm just guessing, but I think I know. Why did Jesus ask Peter three times, do you love me? Well, maybe it's just because Peter denied Jesus three times. One, denial, do you love me? Two, denials, do you love me? Three, denials, do you love me? Because even in our worst spot, Jesus still pursues us each and every time. He loves Peter. He calls Peter. He tells Peter, if you love me, here's how your life is going to play out. And it's the life of every believer. Like you're going to die to yourself and you're going to have to follow me. You're not going to live life your way. You're going to live life my way. It's the life of every believer. Now, Peter's life was especially, uh, especially marked by God. Peter would eventually die, crucified upside down, church history says. He wouldn't die on a crucifix straight up and down because he didn't feel like he was worthy of that honor because that's how Jesus died. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, if you love me, I will use you. If you love me, I will call you. There's nothing that you've done that disqualifies you from being loved and used by God because our God is patient and our God pursues us. And if you're sitting here right now and you're like, Mike, I'm really like appreciative of this message. I don't really need it. But I'm really appreciative of this message for those people around me that need it. Well, just remember, you and I are a whole lot like Peter. So right now you might think you nailed it, but watch out because you're gonna need that love and forgiveness and call of God on your life again and again and again when you ruin it. There's a story I wanna share with you from within our church. It's the story of Kyle and Caitlin. Their story is a great story of God redeeming despite our failures and God using and God calling. So let's check out their story, their eyewitness account of God's love. Hi, I'm Caitlin, and I'm a grateful believer who struggles with anxiety, codependence, and obsessional thinking. And I'm Kyle, and a grateful believer who struggled with alcohol and anger. 
and we wanted to share a story with you about how Celebrate Recovery at Parkway has greatly influenced our lives and our marriage. A little over a year ago, uh, we were in a really tough spot in our marriage. Uh, Kyle was struggling with drinking and uh, a lot of hurtful things had been done in our marriage and we weren't sure if there was any coming back from that. And CR did a lot to teach us how to healthily have a relationship with not only each other, but it started with our relationship with God and breaking down all these old bad habits that had built up in our lives. And after Afghanistan, I came back and instead of turning to God for help, I ended up turning to alcohol to help me sleep at night and, and other things. It started off little, but then grew and grew in intensity. And then finally, things happened in our marriage that I never thought could happen. And finally, I surrendered to God and asked for help. And he delivered and helped our marriage, led us to celebrate recovery, and our marriage is better now than it ever was. And I think a lot of the time when you start talking about these tough issues, people think it can't happen to them or just these worst case scenarios, but there's this complete gray area. During all of this, we went to church, we are Christians, um, and it's just kind of one of those things that when you're not dealing with these tough issues in a proactive way, it's really easy to backslide and get into areas where you don't want to be. Um, but the whole point of Celebrate Recovery is that regardless of where you're at or what you have going on, God's there and he loves you and he's with you in that battle. And Celebrate Recovery is a great place for people to find the tools they need to change their lives. And Celebrate Recovery isn't just those people, it's all of us. Um, I know when we were going through the Financial Peace University, I, wa I remember walking through the doors and seeing Celebrate Recovery, not knowing what it was, but I did notice that everybody was happy and when they were worshiping and uh, singing their praise and worship songs. It's, uh, it's a common joke we have in CR that everybody could use CR, not just people that are there. And it's really intimidating to go through the first time and you dig deep and you get to these core issues. But at the end of it, you come out and your relationship with God is so much deeper and you truly are a changed person. Um, I was a Christian who could accept God's forgiveness, but I never had gotten to a level where I could surrender and accept his love until CR. I love that story because at some point, Jesus came to Caitlin and said, do you love me? And she says, well, you know, I believed in you. You know, you've forgiven me. And Jesus says, yep, but are you ready to submit and say, you love me? I love that because that's how our God works. Despite our sin, despite our struggle, despite us, he still pursues us. He still loves us. He still calls us and he can use us. Kyle and Caitlin, after the first of the year, are starting a new ministry here called The Landing, where they're gonna create a safe place for students, sixth through 12th grade, to deal with the stuff of life. And I'm so thankful for them because God has restored their marriage and their life and their health, and they just wanna share that with somebody else. That's what a disciple does. What God has done in me, I wanna share it with you. Because just like God loves me, calls me, and uses me, just like God loves Peter, calls Peter, and uses Peter, he can do the same for you. Parkway, take this today. You are one encounter away, one encounter with Jesus away from finding the restoration you long for.
whether it is that marriage you've been waiting on or that thing you've been looking for in life, whether it is that frustration, you are one encounter away with Jesus from finding that you are loved and God can still use you and God still calls you no matter the struggle you are going through. One encounter away. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open the word and to learn together today. God, for those of us that walk into this gathering, whether at Victoria or Port Lavaca, Lone Tree or online, Lord, for those that walk into this gathering and know exactly what it's like to, to be Peter, Lord, I pray that you would have us walk out of this room knowing exactly what it's like to be loved by you and called by you to live a godly life and used by you to help others. God, if we can relate to Peter's failings, Lord, let us also relate to Peter's victory. If we can relate to his struggle, Lord, help us also relate to his great faith and your great love for him. As we pray now, Maybe today is the day that you submit to God and you say, God, I know I'm forgiven and I know I'm loved. Maybe today, believer in Jesus, you commit to follow through with that step of faith that God has called you to take. Maybe in this moment, believer, you just need to have a confession time before the Lord because he is the one who hears. He is the one who forgives. He is the one who heals. As the church prays and does business with this patient, loving God, if you've never believed in Christ to find life, maybe today's your day. Jesus predicted that he would die be raised again from the dead. And it happened just as he said it would. The Bible says that Jesus is Savior and Lord and invites all to believe in him, to find eternal life in heaven with God and a new life here on earth. As Lord and Savior, Jesus invites you to believe. And if today's your day, you can mark it with a prayer. You can pray, Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a savior and that you are the savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life.